Have any of you um, ever approached someone that you thought that you knew uh, only to find out about two seconds into the conversation that it was not the person that you thought it was and you're basically having a conversation with a complete stranger? Any, any of you done that before? Come on, be honest about this. Those are always fun moments, right? Uh, I, I don't know what it is about myself. I, I, I feel like I put myself in those situations way more often than the average person. For those of you that have done that before, one time was probably enough. You're like, I'm, I'm going to avoid that like the plague for the rest of my life. I seem to do this to myself over and over again. Most recently, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Dollar Tree here in Grand Blanc. And maybe I do this so often. I was trying to think, like, why do I do this so often? I, I think maybe it has to do with the fact that I'm a pastor and I meet a lot of new people every single week. And so I'm constantly walking around Grand Blanc and Fenton and Linden like, like do they go to the church? Do they go to the church, and maybe that's a conceited thing to do, but that's kind of my mindset. But anyway, I'm in Dollar Tree, I walk in, and right when I walk in, I, I see this woman that I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure that she goes to the church, but I'm not like positive about it, so I just kind of give like the friendly little smirk to her, and then go on my way, I'm like, I'm not risking that, and so I go shop, grab the couple things I need to grab, and then I get in line, and that day, for whatever reason, they only had one cashier working, and it was really, really busy, uh, and so there were a lot of people in line, so I get into line, and then wouldn't you know it, this woman that I think that I know stands right behind me, and she's, you know, got all of her stuff, and so now, I'm doing this whole thing where I'm like, I know this person, like, and I'm debating in my head, and I finally figure, okay, yes, this has to be her, and I'm like, I'm going to err on the side of saying hello, because, I mean, how embarrassing would it be on Sunday if I see this person, and she's like, hey, remember when I stood behind you for five minutes, you never even said hi, I mean, what kind of a terrible pastor would I be then, so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure this is her, so I finally turn around and say, hey, how are you, and she's like, I'm good, there was a lot of confidence there. I'm like, oh, crud, this might not be the person that I thought it was. But I just power through, and rather than in that moment, you know, just stopping and like, all right, we're going to start back over here. You're not who I thought you were. I, I, I say, you know, she's like, yeah, I'm good. Uh, it reminded me that this woman that I thought it was, she has a son that's in high school, and she just recently kind of disclosed to me that her son was going through a lot of things. And so I just, again, plowed ahead, and I was like, hey, how's your son doing? And then I knew that I was wrong. Because she said, which one? And the person that I thought it was only has one son. So I was like, oh, crud. And again, most people at this point would have been like, oh, my goodness, you're not who I thought you were. I just kept pushing ahead. And I uh, said, uh, the one that's in high school? Not with so much hesitation, but confidently hoping that she had a high school son. She's like, oh, Andy, he's doing great. Baseball, as you know, is going really well. I'm like, of course I know. I have no idea who you are. Right? And she's like telling me all about how her son's gotten all these scholarship offers and all this. I, I reflect back on that. I'm like, who did she think I was that she was so ready to disclose so much information? So we're like chatting it up like we know each other and we don't. And uh, it finally gets to the point where I put my stuff, you know, on, on there and, you know, I check out and I'm like, all right, have a good day. I couldn't have gotten out of there any faster. I mean, it was so humiliating. And you know what's really interesting about that? Uh, no matter how many times you do it, and again, most of you have done it once, and that was enough for you, and you've just like, I'm going to avoid that from now on. I, I just keep doing it, so I'm telling you from experience. No matter how many times you do that, it does not get any less awkward. I promise you, it does not get any less embarrassing. That same feeling of, oh my goodness, this is not who I thought it was. It comes back with a vengeance just as hard as it did the very, very first time. Uh, and this isn't meant to be a trick question, but why is that? I mean, why are those moments so incredibly awkward? Why do those moments sometimes feel so incredibly embarrassing? And I'll answer my rather rhetorical question. It's because you don't know her. It's because you don't know him. In most cases, you have literally never seen that person in your entire life. 
Today, we're starting, as you've probably already gathered, this new series called Pray. And for the next six weeks, you guessed it, we're going to be talking, uh, well, about prayer. And the reason that we're doing this series is because my guess is this would describe just about every single one of us at certain points in our lives. There have been times in your life where prayer has maybe felt awkward. There have been times where you've probably wondered, am I doing this right? And here's how I know that to be true. Because if I was to get off stage right now and start wandering among the crowd and I was to single you out and just ask you to stand up. So literally picture this right now. I come down off the stage. I come up to you. I ask you to stand up. Or, hey, we're kicking off this new series today called Pray. Why don't you just give a killer prayer for the entire church? For most of you, that would be about the most anxiety-filled moment that you could possibly imagine. You would probably in that moment go, I might drop the mic, run out of here, and never come back. Right? That would be a real thought that would probably cross your mind. I also had this thought as I was preparing for this and thinking about this series and specifically this Sunday. This is kind of a perplexing thought. I, I, I've been going to church my whole life. I grew up going to church. You know, my, my parents are Jesus followers, so I've been around Christians a lot. Uh, it doesn't matter the environment I'm in. Even those environments when it's exclusively Christian, so whether it's a small group or a Bible study or Sunday school, uh, or even if I'm just going out to eat with a bunch of people and all of them happen to be Jesus followers, in those moments, it is so rare if either I ask somebody to pray or the other person that's you know, you know, kind of leading the discussion asks somebody to pray, it is so rare, so rare that you get somebody that puts their hand up right away and is like, hey, yeah, I'll pray, I got this. No, what happens the vast majority of the time, like 99.9% of the time, is there's like this long, awkward silence and then somebody kind of sheepishly puts their hands up and they're like, I guess I'll pray. And then they go through like this half-hearted prayer and then we just kind of continue on with whatever's going on. So what's up with that? I mean, why is that the case? Why can prayer sometimes feel so incredibly awkward? How come it can be so embarrassing and intimidating to pray out loud, especially when we're around other people? And perhaps, similar to those situations when we approach someone thinking that it's a certain person and it turns out it's not the person that you thought it was, perhaps, and don't get defensive about this, but maybe like those situations, prayer can sometimes be awkward because you don't really know him. I mean, you, you know about God. For those of you that have you know, attended church your entire life, I mean, you know plenty about God. You could probably even tell us a bunch of the Bible stories. You might even be able to recite some scripture. But for you, that, that personal relationship component that you probably heard talked a, a lot about as you sit in a seat like you're sitting here this morning, for whatever reason, that, that, that's never really clicked. Jesus for you and God for you is more of like this, you know, distant guy in the sky type vibe and it lacks true intimacy. That your relationship with God, if you're honest, it doesn't really look much like your relationship with your spouse or your significant other. Your relationship with God doesn't really resemble the the friendship that you have with your closest confidant, that you have with your closest friend. That that your relationship with God might not even look like like the relationship that you have with like a coworker that you're really not even that, that close with. You guys just talk about the weather and who won whatever game was on the night before. And you've heard this whole relationship idea talked about, again, a lot But for whatever reason, again, that that is just never really translated to your life. You don't really know him. And I, for for, for as long as I have the privilege of of leading this church, and I, I hope that that is for a long, long time, I would like to do everything possible to change that because I don't want any of you who are sitting here today to settle for anything less than a true, two-way, intimate relationship with your creator. And the key to this If you're going to get this right, if I'm going to get this right, 
If we are going to get this right, the key to that true relationship is prayer. And perhaps the very thing that sometimes makes prayer awkward, a lack of intimacy with God, is the very thing that is achieved when we get prayer right. So before we jump into this, and as we kind of dive into what Jesus had to say about prayer, uh, I'd like to pray for us. So let me do that now. Father, I just say thank you that you are a God um, that has preserved these words for us, that you didn't really leave it for us to wonder and go, gosh, am I doing it right? That uh, that we have documented for us um, very clear words that, that you say, hey, this is, this is how you're supposed to do this. And so we thank you for preserving that. We just ask God that no matter why uh, somebody might be here this morning, whether they wanted to show up, whether a, a boyfriend or girlfriend basically forced them to show up, um, we, we just say, God, and, and I beg you that we would all just be at least open to whatever it is that you might want to say to us this morning. And it's your name we pray, amen. Now, here's the good news if, if prayer has ever felt awkward for you, if you've ever felt like, man, I, I just don't know if I'm not, you know, if I'm, if I'm totally doing this correct. This, this isn't a new problem. In fact, it's not a new concern at all. A couple thousand years ago, uh, in fact, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, his 12 best friends, I mean, the guys that he spent virtually every waking moment with, and as he would often do, he starts praying, and he gets done with the prayer, and Jesus kind of wanders off, and all the 12 disciples are kind of hanging out by themselves, and they're all doing this whole thing where they're like, hey, you ask him, no, you ask him, no, you go ask him. And we don't know exactly who got selected or, you know, how they drew the short straw, but one of them finally goes, fine, fine, I'll go ask. You know, they go up and they approach Jesus and the rest of them are all following behind them and they go tap Jesus on the shoulder and they say, hey Jesus, um, we were just all wondering, it wasn't just me, it was, it was all of us, um, how do you do that? <laughs> and Jesus is like, how do you do what? Oh, you mean prayer? You, you guys are, this is a joke, right? You're asking me how to pray? You guys are serious. You guys, we have spent so much time together. You are Jewish men, which meant that you were Jewish boys. You grew up going to synagogue. Church was very much a part of your life. How is it even possible that you don't feel like you have a good understanding of what prayer is? And, and this would have been a showstopper. This would have been one of those moments where, you know, we've all experienced this in our lives where it's like, hold up. We ain't going any farther until we get this figured out. We're not doing anything else until we get that question answered. And again, we've had these moments in our lives where like, you see somebody you're like, I can't believe you haven't seen that. I can't believe you haven't heard that. I had one of these moments about a year ago with my buddy Philip. Uh, we were making a video for the, the, the church that I came from, Mile City in Livonia. Uh, we were making this video. It was a compilation of all these different video clips together. And so we had like 100 DVDs that we had ordered and gathered on eBay. The video was made. And so now we had all these DVDs laying around the office. And I was going to post them all on eBay to, you know, hopefully recoup some of our money. And so I'm like putting these things on eBay. And it's later in the day on a Friday. And me and Philip are sitting there. And we're kind of going through the movies like, oh, my gosh, you remember this one? It's like all these movies that you saw like 20 years ago. And you're like, oh, my gosh, you remember how good that one? And I came across Shawshank Redemption. And I was like, oh my gosh, you remember Shawshank? And he's like, what's that? I'm like, Shawshank Redemption? He's like, what's that? I'm like, it's gonna be very difficult to be friends with you anymore right now. Okay, this is hard. You have never heard of Shawshank? He's like, never heard of it. Which means you've never seen it. And this is a guy that claims to like movies. And I was like, what is wrong with you? I was like, time out. Our friendship is on hold. You need to go home right now and watch this movie and then come back on Monday and apologize to me. Because I can't believe you haven't seen this movie. And sure enough, he comes in on Monday. He's crying. No, I made that part up. But he did come in on Monday. 
And he's like, dude, that was a really good movie. I, I can't believe I hadn't seen that before. I'm like, yeah, me neither. It almost ruined our friendship, you knucklehead. And so in a lot of ways, we as a church are kind of having like this cumulative wait, hold up, you haven't seen Shawshank type moment right now. We really need not go any farther until we get this figured out. There's really no point in resuming as a church until we get a pretty solid understanding of what prayer is. Because if you're a Jesus follower, so talking to those of you that are Christians in the room for a second, even if you've been coming to church for your entire life, and honestly, especially if you've been going to church for your entire life, you've probably developed some pretty strange notions as it relates to prayer that couldn't be less true. And it might have never even dawned on you that prayer is actually something that you should learn how to do. And if you think that you're getting prayer right, if there's any actually component in your head at all that thinks like, man, maybe I'm not quite doing this right, to put it in super churchy terms, if you don't feel like your prayer life is on fire, then 100% your relationship with God is suffering as a result. Now, for those of you talking to the other crowd in the room, for those of you that are new to this whole church thing, you're just kind of exploring this. Again, maybe somebody kind of bribed you into showing up here today, and you don't even know if you believe in this Jesus that we talk about here on Sunday mornings. You know, I, I want to address you here for just a second. Um, it's so important that, that we get prayer right. It, it might have, again, never dawned on you that prayer is something that you would actually learn how to do, but if you ever decide and I hope that, that you eventually come to this decision. If you ever decide to put your faith in Jesus, if you ever decide to become a Jesus follower, this is so important that you understand what prayer is, but more importantly, practically speaking, how to do it. Because if you don't feel like you have that down, your relationship with God will absolutely suffer from day one as a result. So, my guess is, is that all of us, we're carrying in here this morning, whether you're new to church, been coming to church your whole life, we're all carrying in some preconceived notions about prayer. Some of it we might have gathered from church, but for those of you that this is literally your first time stepping foot into church, you even have some notions about church. You gathered them from movies, maybe from a family member, from a friend. And what I want us to do as best as we can this morning, for all of us, no matter where we find ourselves on this whole faith journey, let's try to throw aside everything that we know everything that we think we know about prayer. And let's not consider what I have to say on the subject. I am not nearly arrogant enough to try to convince you that I have this perfectly figured out. Let's look at what Jesus had to say on the subject. When his disciples sheepishly walk up to him and they're like, Jesus, how do you do that? And he's like, I can't believe that you don't understand this, but sit down, take out your notepads, write this stuff down, and Jesus begins to answer this question of how to pray. And we're gonna pick up here in Matthew chapter six, this is the very first book of the New Testament. It's one of the four books that document Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. And it says that. And it says, they're like, all right, how do you pray? So there's, there's, there's the question. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Now, now this is interesting because Jesus actually begins to answer their question. Again, the question was how to pray. Jesus teaches how to pray. And he starts by, rather than telling them how to pray, he actually begins by telling them how not to pray. And he says, you know, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Now, this is a bit strange for us in kind of our modern Western, you know, American society. I doubt any of you are doing this. I doubt any of you are trying to somehow increase your social status by walking around and saying really loud and obnoxious prayers. 
none of you are going to walk into work tomorrow and be like, you know, just belting it out to God thinking that, you know, you're impressing your coworkers. It's probably not going to happen. But back at this point, when Jesus is speaking to this original audience, this was actually pretty common. In fact, the, the most religious people, the people that they were most highly thought of in society, they would do this. They would go around with these really obnoxious and, and loud prayers. And the reason that they would do that is so that people would stop and be like, did you see that guy? He is killing that prayer. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Cut it out. Don't, don't make such a show of prayer. And, and then he continues. He says, I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. He's saying, that's fine. You want to pray like that? You know what? More power to you. I mean, it's not doing much for me, but you want to make a big show of your prayers? Go for it. But just know, you're not impressing me. You're certainly not impressing God, the God that you supposedly are praying to in this moment. You should maybe cut that out. And in fact, the only reward that you're ever going to get for praying like this, and here Jesus introduces this idea of a reward, this idea that if we get prayer right, we will somehow be rewarded, and he continues to come back to that. He says, the only reward you're ever going to get is just that, that people will notice you. The only reward you're ever going to get is, is that feeling of satisfaction every once in a while when you notice that person pointing to you, when you hear that person mumble under their breath, that guy's a really good prayer. He's like, that's it, and that's all. It doesn't go beyond that. He says this, though. He says, but when you pray, go away by yourself. Okay, that's kind of counter to what we've been talking about. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Now, for those of us sitting here that, again, that are Jesus followers, particularly those of us that have been coming to church our whole lives, we, we are so pitiful about this. I mean, we read scripture like this that is so cut and dry. It's so black and white. And we sit there and we go, hmm, what did Jesus really mean? What's, what's the deeper meaning going on here? And I have to think that sometimes Jesus is up in heaven going, God, what are they doing? I, I could have not made this any more black and white. What Jesus is saying here, he's saying where, where you pray matters. Where you pray, it matters so much. Where you pray matters. And here's what Jesus, and again, Jesus seems to know a little bit on this subject, so we should probably maybe pay attention to him. Here's what Jesus says about the where. He says, get alone and eliminate distractions. Get alone, eliminate distractions. Come on, let's say that with me. Get alone. Eliminate distractions. One more time, like aloud. Get alone. Eliminate distractions. Now, Christians, again, we get so uptight about this, and, and for those of you that aren't Jesus followers, this is one of those things that you should point the finger at at Christians. Just be like, what is wrong with you guys? Because we are so quick to defend this. We're like, this is one of the great things about prayer. You can pray anywhere you want. You, you can pray when you're driving to work. You can pray when you're at your cubicle. You can pray when you're showering. You can pray when you're sitting on the pot. You can pray anywhere. That's one of the beautiful things about prayer, that you can do it anywhere. And that's certainly true. I am not here to try to argue against that this morning. But Jesus, not me, Jesus is trying to teach us how to pray. And he's saying, listen, it's okay if you have those quick, kind of short, hustle and bustle prayers that more adequately fit into your schedule. But... But if that is what your, your entire prayer life is made up of, you're missing it. In fact, he's telling us, if that's your entire prayer life, you are doing it wrong. You are missing out on greater intimacy. 
You are missing out on a stronger relationship with God. Do not try to read into that verse too much. He literally wants you to go into a room, close the door, eliminate distractions, and spend quality time with him. And this isn't just something that Jesus talked about. In fact, more importantly, and more frequently do we see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I would encourage you to read those books for yourself. That's a great place to start, by the way. If you've never really picked up a Bible, there's free ones in the back. You can download apps. Um, but those are great places to start. Start reading in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Those are the four books that document Jesus' time on earth. And in those four books, if you start reading those, you'll notice something. Jesus doesn't just talk about this. In fact, he doesn't talk about it very much. But what he does do is he demonstrates this over and over and over again. Jesus himself going away, not just getting away from, from the big crowds, but even getting away from the disciples by himself and spending quality alone time. He eliminates distractions and spends that quality alone time with God. And this was Jesus, not only telling us how to pray, but showing us as well. Now, for those of you that, again, you get defensive maybe a little bit about this stuff, do you somehow think that you are above Jesus, the Son of God, that you can get away with these quick prayers that fit into your schedule and not spend this isolated quality alone time with him? I mean, again, Jesus showed us that. So if it's good enough for him, it should probably be good enough for us. We look at our earthly relationships. So let's talk to specifically those of you that are married in the room for a second. Um, when you think about your relationship you know, with your significant other, with, with your husband, with your wife, there's a big difference in going like 90 miles an hour in life and just kind of experiencing and living life together. My wife and I, we're at probably the busiest season that we've ever had in our lives. We have two kids, which right alone, that, that makes things really busy, a two-and-a-half-year-old and a, a one-year-old. We started a church, and, and, and that's kind of been more than I even anticipated, and I already knew it was going to kind of be a lot. Like, things are chaotic right now. And if I allowed ourselves to, if we allowed ourselves to, it would be so easy to just kind of start going through the motions of marriage, that we would just kind of be like strangers passing in the night and have these quick 30-second, five-minute conversations here and there. But my wife and I, we strategically put times in our calendar throughout the year where just her and I, we don't even bring the kids. Some of you, you don't know that. You can leave your kids other places with other people. They won't die. It's incredible. But we, we leave our kids behind and we go away and we spend quality time, just her and I, where we can unwind and actually have real dialogue and real conversation with one another. We build that into our weekly and into our monthly schedules. And if we didn't do that, our relationship would absolutely suffer as a result. One deals with the chaos and the randomness of life and the other deals with an intimate connection and relationship that God, by the way, wants us to, to mirror our relationship with him. Location matters. Go to a quiet place and close the door. No interruptions, no distractions, just you and God. And then he gets back and he says, then your father, who sees everything, who sees you praying in secret, who sees you eliminating distractions, will reward you. And again, here he comes back to this, this idea of a reward. Now, I'm not accusing you, and I don't think Jesus is accusing you either of the only reason that you're praying is somehow that you're going to get a reward out of this. In fact, some of you, again, you might get defensive about this, like, I'll pray so that I'll get something. But Jesus is stressing here. He's saying, hey, listen, if you get this right, if you make quality alone time with me a priority, if you eliminate distractions, if we get this prayer thing right, if you don't make a big show of prayer, if you're not doing it to impress other people, if you pray how I am about to teach you how to pray, and Jesus is saying that, he's like, hey, whether you want it or not, you will absolutely be rewarded. Now, when we hear reward, again, in our 21st century American minds, we automatically think, okay, sweet, God's just going to start giving me everything that I want. 
He's gonna start giving me everything that I ask for. But in fact, all of us know better than that. Otherwise, we'd all been driving Lambos when we turned 16. We'd all won the lottery five times over by now. We'd all had our boss's job by now. We know it doesn't work like that. And Jesus is saying, it's not, not that. But there is a reward. And believe it or not, it's actually better than all of that. And then he continues. He says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Now, quick history lesson here. Back at this point when Jesus, again, speaking to this original audience, the Gentiles thought if they had the right words and if they had a lot of words and especially if they were really big words, that they would somehow be able to bend God's will towards their will. It was this idea that I'm gonna be so loud and I'm gonna be so passionate, I'm gonna be so boisterous, I'm gonna get so excited that eventually God's gonna be like, okay, okay, you win. You can have him, you can have her, you can have the job, you can have the promotion, just shut up. And then he said, <laughs> Jesus is saying, no, it just doesn't, doesn't work like that. You shouldn't pray like that. That's not how it works. God isn't concerned with the volume, quantity, or quality of our words. In fact, how big is our ego sometimes that we somehow think that we're going to be able to change God's mind, that you think specific words, that specific verbiage will somehow convince God of something? And when you think about it, come on, that's a really, really good thing, that God's unwavering, that we can't change God's mind. Because aren't you happy when you think about it that God hasn't given you everything that you've always asked for? How would have that turned out? Then he says something, and, and you know, he wraps this up and he says this here, and it, it sounds, especially if you've never seen this before, it sounds so incredibly deflating. He says, don't be like them, for your father knows, your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. To which we all cumulatively think, then what in the heck am I praying for? He already knows. He already knows. Seriously, he already knows. If we're not able to convince God of things or bend his will or ask him so frequently that maybe eventually he'll just give in, then what is the point? Why would any of us waste one minute in prayer if he does indeed already know? Why pray? And I'm gonna tell you the why. In fact, this is a little bit anticlimactic. Normally you would wait till the end of a series to kind of give you this. This would be a nice cherry on top at the end of a series. But y'all are mature. I think you can handle this. And I've certainly mentioned this before and I'll continue mentioning it because it also happens to be one of the reasons why I think every single person on the planet, why I think it is a no-brainer to follow Jesus. The reward, as we know, is not everything that you ask for. And thank God for that. Because as every single one of us have learned, we don't always know what is best for us. How interesting is that about human, human beings? That we don't always have our own best interest in mind. We don't always know what, what, what is best for us. And we certainly don't know how we fit into God's greater plan. And how saying no to one thing and saying yes to something else might affect what God ultimately has in store for us. See, the most important thing in any of our lives more important than your career, more important than your job post-graduation, more important than your house, more important than any possession, more important than your car, more important than your family, more important than your spouse, more important than your kids. The most important thing, whether you realize it or not, in any of our lives is our relationship with Jesus Christ because everything else flows from that. 
Our reward when we get this right and we pray as Jesus teaches us to pray is an intimacy with God, a closeness with him. The reward is that inner sense of peace that God is with you. Whether he says yes, no, or nothing at all, our reward is a real relationship with him that is only achieved when you spend quality time with just you and him. When you close the door and you actually have some semblance of what you could actually call a relationship with him, where you spend quality time communicating with your heavenly father. The reason that we have been given the gift of prayer is not to convince God of things. It's not so that we just kind of have this get out of jail free card. It's so much better than that. Instead, God has invited you, specifically you, to have a real and intimate relationship with him. And that only happens behind a closed door. When you spend quality time you eliminate distractions, and you spend time with your heavenly Father. The most important thing in any of our lives is maybe as arrogant as that sounds to you right now, is your relationship with Jesus. So let's get this right. No matter where you find yourself on this whole faith journey, you owe it to yourself to consider how Jesus teaches us to pray. Because maybe prayer is more than just talking to God. Because my guess is, is that just talking to God has probably not taken your relationship with God to where you or he would ultimately like it to be. So I'm going to challenge you. Be here for every single week of this series. Keep coming back. Five more weeks. If you're not able to be here on a Sunday morning, make sure you're going online. You're either listening or watching to these messages as we consider, again, not how I would teach you to pray, but how Jesus teaches us to pray.